Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and thank you for joining me today. I'm going to continue in our volume of the book study, where we're studying portraits of Yeshua in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures. And today we're looking at Lesson 5, Shiloh, or Shiloh. Closing out our study in Genesis today, and moving through the Torah into the next section to see more pictures of Jesus, at this time I want to focus on the prophecy of the Messiah in Genesis 49 in more detail. We spoke of this in the last lesson, and we focused on the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Messiah Yeshua himself, as verified in the book of Revelation. Today, we're going to focus on the second part of Jacob's messianic prophecy to Judah, to his descendants of Judah, also speaking of Jesus in its ultimate fulfillment. So I'm going to read that prophetic word again. It's found in Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 through 12. Remember, we looked at these being prophecy in light of the end times, Jacob is prophesying and giving blessing over his sons. And he says this is what will befall them in the latter days. So we know that the timing is much, much later down the road. And these prophetic words are to the descendants of Jacob, given through Jacob himself by the Spirit of the Lord. Genesis chapter 49, verse 8 through 12. Judah you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh, or Shiloh, comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. So last lesson we focused on the lion of the tribe of Judah mentioned here and prophesied here. And we looked at Revelation chapter 5. I do want to go back and read that here right now. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God 
sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. So here we see again Jesus verified as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was the lamb that was slain for the world and he is the root of David as prophesied in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1. Now we're going to look at more of this prophetic word that Jacob gave in Genesis 49 in regard to Jesus' second coming. This is a messianic prophecy. We looked at that in detail in the last lesson, and we spoke about his first coming and his second coming, both being prophesied in this word that was given by Jacob before he died to the tribe of Judah, because the Messiah was going to come specifically from the tribe of Judah. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But there's also one other very important messianic name or title, if you will, in this prophecy, and it is the word Shiloh or Shiloh. Notice this prophecy from Jacob that we just read in Genesis 49. The word said that the scepter would not depart from Judah nor the lawgiver from between his feet until, until, until Shiloh or Shiloh comes. Remember Jacob's words here are about the latter time or the last days. The word until always signifies a duration and a closure of that duration. In other words, there's a coming new thing at some point in the future. There's a coming new season. Always signifies a duration and a closure of that duration. In other words, there's coming a time when something new will rise on the scene, a coming new season, a coming new event. What is that event in this scripture? Genesis 49, 8 through 12 tells us that the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh or Shiloh comes. This is not talking about the town in the Hebrew scriptures named Shiloh or Shiloh. That was the place that they named and they placed the Old Testament tabernacle of Moses there during the days of Joshua and on for a period of time. This was before David had captured and made Jerusalem the the capital and before he had purchased the Temple Mount, and Solomon then built the temple upon it. So Shiloh, or Shiloh, is this one that Jacob said will come. Now notice it is a person, an individual, a man. Who? Who is this, and how do we know that? Well, it said in the prophetic word in Genesis 49, that until Shiloh comes, and to him... To who? 
to this person called Shiloh or Shiloh. Who is this? It is Jesus, the Messiah, the one who was to come. Shiloh means the one to whom it belongs, or he whose it is. It means to whom it belongs. So this one to whom it belongs is coming in the future from the tribe of Judah. This one to whom it belongs is the prophetic word from Jacob. So this one, Shiloh, is to whom what belongs? What is his? What belongs to him? Let's explore that today in this lesson. I want to begin with the obvious right from this very prophetic word. Let's just consider exactly what Jacob has prophetically spoken to Judah, to Judah's descendant, the Messiah that will come through his line, in verses 8 through 12. First of all, he said the praise from his brothers. That belongs to him. The victory over his enemies. That belongs to him. The worship from his brothers, from his family. That belongs to him. Verse 10, the scepter or the kingdom. Scepter always is referencing a king that it belongs to. There is a king coming who that scepter belongs to, the kingdom. The lawgiver, that's the one who has understanding and oversight, interpretation, understanding of the law of God, the one who can enact and decree laws, the government, the one who inscribes or engraves the law. This is confirmed by the word in Psalms, in Psalms chapter 60, verse 7, Judah is my lawgiver. The scepter and the lawgiver remains in Judah until Shiloh comes. And then to him, to Shiloh, is the obedience of the people. He is that king. He is that lawgiver, that ultimate one. There were many kings that came through the line of Judah, David and Solomon and Hezekiah and Josiah and others. But there was one coming, and he was the Lion of the tribe of Judah, also known as Shiloh, in this prophecy. To him belongs the obedience of the people, the subjects in his kingdom, and their obedience. Shiloh is the one whose it is, the one to whom it belongs. So here we see a few things already. Now let's consider a few more from the scriptures. What belongs to Shiloh? First, we noticed in Genesis 49 that Shiloh is a he. It is a person. This, in Genesis 49, gives us perhaps what we may call a summary of what belongs to him and what he and he alone is due to receive. The praise, the victory, the worship, the kingdom, the government, the obedience of the people, and According to verse 12 of this prophecy, the execution of God's wrath as well. Praise. Let's look at the praise. In Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, which we just read, He alone is worthy. He alone redeems from every nation, tribe, and people group all that will come to Him. He alone washes their sins away in His blood. He alone is worthy of all the praise. 
the victory belongs to him. Remember earlier in these lessons, we looked at Genesis chapter 315, because Messiah, Jesus, is the seed of the woman, the virgin-born son of the living God, who will crush the enemy's head. The victory belongs to him. In Revelation chapter 19, I want to read verse 11 through 15. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So Jesus is Shiloh, the one to whom it belongs, all the victory over his enemy. In Revelation chapter 20, for instance, verse 1 through 5, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years were finished. But after these things he must be released for a little while. And then we find out later in Revelation chapter 20 that Satan finds his end in the lake of fire. He is crushed by the seed of the woman. He is finally defeated in the end by this one, Shiloh, the lion of the tribe of Judah. We find out in Psalm 110, verse 1, God the Father tells God the Son, because he has finished the work he was sent to do and redeemed mankind, given the blood that will redeem all who will believe in him. And he has sacrificed himself on the altar we call the cross. And God has approved of that by raising him from the dead. Then God the Father says to him, Come and sit at my right hand until your enemies are under your feet. Hallelujah. Jesus is the one to whom the victory over his enemies belongs. Jesus is the one to whom the worship belongs. Let's look back in Revelation chapter 5, and let's read verse 8 through 13. Now when he, meaning Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, 
and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. All worship belongs to him, to the Lion of the tribe of Judah, to Shiloh, the one who is to come. All worship is only to him. It is due him and only belongs to him and no one else. The scepter, Jacob prophesied, is to remain in the kingdom until Shiloh comes because it belongs to him. Let's look at that in the book of Daniel and see how the scepter belongs to him. In Daniel chapter 7, I want to read verses 9 through 10 and verse 13 and 14. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. That's God the Father. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. We read about that also in the book of Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 1, for instance. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. We just read that in Revelation chapter 5. This is talking about the same God on the throne. The court was seated and the books were opened. Then in verse 13, I was watching in the night visions and behold one like the Son of Man. It is the Son of Man, Jesus the Messiah, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. Then to him, to who? The Son of Man, the Messiah, Shiloh. Then to him was given. This is given by God the Father, the Ancient of Days. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. Remember, Jacob prophesied that to him is due the obedience of all the people. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. So we see this picture from Daniel actually of what we just read in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Jesus is given the scroll, the ruling document, the government, the kingdom, the dominion, that he then is due, he is worthy of it, it belongs to him, and he will begin to execute this scroll. This is verified in Psalm 110 and in Psalm chapter 2, verse 6 through 9. I want us to look next at Luke chapter 22, and I want to read verses 28 through 30. This is when Jesus is holding the last Passover Seder with his disciples on the night before he will be crucified on the cross. And he says this, beginning in verse 28, But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes 
of Israel. This confirms Daniel chapter 7, what we just read as well, and the prophetic word from Jacob in Genesis 49, as well as other scriptures. We also have this confirming Daniel chapter 2, verse 34 through 35, and verse 44 through 45, which is prophetically speaking of the Messiah who would come in in Nebuchadnezzar's vision and dream, he had seen this great statue and gold and silver and all these different colors as he goes down the statue, meaning the interpretation given by Daniel, meaning that this would be kingdoms that were yet to come upon the earth, but there would finally be one kingdom who would crush all of the others, and his would be the everlasting kingdom. That would be the everlasting dominion, and that's the one we're talking about here that belongs to Shiloh that belongs to the Lord. Notice also, even in the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, notice it says that thine is the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to him. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So along with the kingdom that belongs to this Messiah, this descendant, this lion of the tribe of Judah, this Shiloh, comes the government as he is also the lawgiver. I want us to look next at Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, should be Father of Eternity, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Then in Isaiah chapter 22, I want us to read verses 20 through 23. Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Now, this is talking about a real person, but many times these prophecies, especially in the books of the prophets, you'll find this to be true also in Zechariah and other places. They will be talking about a real person in the near future, but then in the far future, it's actually a prophetic word about the Messiah as well. This is true of this passage in Isaiah because we have it confirmed later. Let's look at verse 22 and 23. The key of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open, and no one shall shut, and he shall shut, and no one shall open. I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. This Eliakim was a real person, and the prophetic word was for him in that time, but he was also a type of Jesus here. So this is verified for us by John in the book of Revelation when he is receiving these letters for the churches from the Lord himself. In Revelation chapter 3, for instance, verse 7, 
it says this. This is John recording what Jesus is dictating to him to record. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has, now currently has, the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. So this is Jesus, the Lord, the one to whom this key belongs as well. The key to the house of David, the government or the rule, the kingship. He can open and he can close when no one else can. Notice that he can open the scroll. He's the only one who is worthy to open the scroll because he is the one to whom the key of the house of David has been given. Notice also in Zechariah chapter 6. I want to look at verses 9 through 13. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Receive the gift from the captives, from Heldai, Tobiah, and Jediah, who have come from Babylon, and go the same day and enter the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Take the silver and gold and make an elaborate crown and set it on the head of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. So here we are told that Jesus will be the coming one who is the priest king forever after the order of Melchizedek, same as what we learned in Psalm chapter 110. And in Hebrews, it speaks of this in Hebrews chapter 7. So this is the priest king. Here again, we have an example where Zechariah prophetically is speaking of an individual in that time period, but ultimately it's speaking of Messiah, the priest king, forever after the order of Melchizedek. We see the order of Melchizedek, the priesthood of Melchizedek, first brought to us in Genesis 14. And we know that Jesus, according to David's prophetic word in Psalm 110, says that he will be priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And in Hebrews chapter 7, it speaks of how the priesthood has now been changed to him. And he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who is priest king forever. In Isaiah chapter 16, verse 5, it also speaks of how he will sit on the throne of David. He is the one who is given the dominion. It belongs to him and he is king forever. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, as he's about to ascend back to the Father, he says, all authority has been given to me. He is the king. He is Shiloh, the one to whom it belongs. I want us to all read in John chapter 5, verse 22. It says this, For the Father judges no one. This is Jesus speaking here. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So Jesus is saying what else belongs to him? All judgment, all of the decision-making, all rulership, 
all of the judicial rule as priest king on the throne. He is the judge over all and the Lord of all. Jacob told us that the obedience of the people, the subjects in his kingdom, also belongs to Shiloh. He is the one to whom it belongs. There's a beautiful picture that I just love that helps us understand this being a subject in his kingdom and obeying him and honoring him as his subjects. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 10. Solomon's reign in the early days when he was right with the Lord before he had gotten led astray with all the women and the the idolatry and all of that. In those early days of his kingdom, it's a beautiful picture of the kingdom of Jesus, the Messiah, to come in some ways. Solomon obviously was just a man, but the kingdom itself, it does portray for us some things to come. And I love in 1 Kings chapter 10, I want to read verse 1 through 9 and just show a beautiful example of what I believe it's foretelling and foreshadowing to come in Jesus' kingdom when he comes and rules and reigns at his second coming. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. In other words, it took her breath away. She was speechless. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy, happy, happy are your men and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. I love this because I believe if this could be said by one of the subjects, one of those who came and saw Solomon, of how his subjects were responding to him, how much more could these be spoken? And could this be a pattern for us to look at to see what the kingdom of Jesus the Messiah, Shiloh, who is to come, is going to be like. Praise be to God. In Luke 22, we saw where there is a coming kingdom that was given to Jesus and one in which he says we would co-reign to some extent with him. Notice we can sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all of the others that have gone before us. According to Matthew chapter 8, verse 11, 
and Luke chapter 13, verse 28. There are the people and the subjects that will be part of his kingdom, also perhaps in some form, co-reigning according to the word of God. This is speaking of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, the time when he is coming, and to him belongs the throne of David. Praise be to God. He is going to execute the kingdom. He's going to bring it into existence through this execution, beginning with the scroll that is handed to him in Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. He's the only one worthy. He is Shiloh, the one whose it is, the one to whom it belongs. He is the only one with the key of the house of David, able to open and close this scroll, able to open it. He is the one. What is this scroll that is given to him? It's the inheritance that belongs to him. It's his kingdom. The inheritance that belongs to Jesus. Zechariah chapter 5, verse 1 through 4, tells us about this scroll, I believe. And so does Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 9. Inside and out, it's written on and it's sealed because only the one to whom it belongs can open it. It gives him the right and the dominion. He is the one who will inherit it. It's interesting that in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9, it tells us that what has been is what will be. In other words, we draw patterns of what's to come because of what has been in the past. Israel, in their past, when they were given the promised land and they were to go in and inherit it, they had to dispossess the unlawful inheritance first. And we read about that primarily in the book of Joshua in the conquest of Canaan. Then we find out, according to Peter in Acts chapter 3, verse 14 through 26, that the Lord himself is the king, is the Messiah. He is the one that was crucified and died and rose again and has now been received up into heaven until the restitution of all things, the restoration of all things. And that is coming when Jesus executes his inheritance written in that scroll. Then he will possess the kingdom and the land, and we will all be able to enjoy the promises of God with him. This same pattern unfolds in Revelation. God will dispossess the unlawful earth dwellers, those who are destroying the earth, and then Jesus will come and rule and reign in his kingdom. Jerusalem is his city, according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 35, and Psalm chapter 48, verse 2. It belongs to him. That is another thing that belongs to him. It is his and his alone. And he will enjoy his kingdom. He will rule with a rod of iron over the unsubmissive and unwilling subjects in his kingdom because to him belongs all the obedience of all the people. But it will be a joyous kingdom reign with us as Solomon's servants were so happy and joyous. And our, our response is, even so, come Lord Jesus. Remember we looked at the lion of the tribe of Judah and how he will soon roar. He is Shiloh, the one to whom it belongs forever and ever and ever. And he is coming soon. Hallelujah. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for the remaining lessons in this series. God bless you today. In Jesus' name.
Amen.